Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. We've made it to about halfway through the winter 2024 season, and we have purged our anime lists, our watch lists. We've cut everything down, cut the fat down to the uh, the leanest of uh, anime cuts here. And I think we're down to about six shows now, <laughs> which is... um. It's not not the bad. not the leanest. Well, I mean, as far as like for all the shows the combined we're watching, that's pretty low. But certainly not the lowest. I mean, we've had a we've had somewhere we've only had like three or something, and then we had to hit the backlog. We haven't had to add the Tomino Power Hour to this week's show notes. <laughs> so yeah, it has been a long time since we've had to add the Tomino Power Hour, but uh, it, it's definitely become a leaner season. Although I will say. A lot of these shows I do feel pretty strong about. Like I feel like they're they're good. Yeah. Clean and yeah, mean. I, I, There's good stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah I'd say that the stuff we've got left is is pretty solid. Perhaps least. maybe one exception, but uh, we'll get to, we'll get to that. Uh, to introduce everybody for- before we get into the anime talk, I'm Gel. I am joined by Iro. I'm still here. I'm not dead yet. Still here with us. We are joined by G. Only the best remain. Mm-hmm. What is that referencing? The anime, presumably. Yeah, okay. sorry. No, I was just referring to to this season. Yes. That, okay. Uh, that, I uh, thought if your show isn't here. Then I'm sorry. Um, it, it <laughs> I thought that was a reference going over my head. I no, was just no, like, I'm sorry. okay, no. I mean, it was I just literally it a reference. I mean, I, I I watched like you know the Tekken Eight story mode. Mm. Um. In which all the countries of the world participate in a single elimination bracket tournament, um, in which each fighter represents their respective um, region, and uh, when they lose the when they lose in the bracket, uh, Kazuya Mishima destroys their country. What, like personally? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I mean, he, it's, it's Devil yeah. Kazuya. You know, it's, like it's, this sounds like some Baki the Grappler shit. Yes. 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 Um, like. Like turning the King of Iron Fist tournament into like the Gundam battle is a weird task, like tangent to go on. But sure, why not? Sure. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. I guess in there he does kind of say something along the lines of "only the strongest remain." I uh, mean, you know, that sounds like <laughs> something that would be in the Tekken Eight story mode. So you know, that's, if that's your why country would... didn't, if your country didn't make it into the top sixteen, it didn't deserve to exist. Yeah. So it just it saying... wasn't trying hard enough. What you're saying is that in the very best scenario, Tekken 8 involves the destruction of like 90% of the world. Yeah, that's kind of his deal. Yeah, he's kind of just like saying, yeah, only the strongest will remain. <laughs> I mean, there was already a world war in the backstory of Tekken in Tekken 6. So... I guess that wasn't good enough for Kazuya. He needed he needed to pare down. Like this season of anime, Here Kazuya Mishima needed to pare the list down even further. <laughs> yes. All right, well, to finish the introductions, we are joined by Zig. Yes, in exactly one month, I will be in the land of anime, China, and then Japan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, oh, dear. I mean, China does dominate the 
anime game market right now. So maybe. Yeah, but... I mean, like, look, the uh, China is very good at taking ideas and then making a lot of copies of them. And they have done that with games. They've done that with anime. They've done that with pretty much anything I... you would like to name. I will leave that statement alone and Indeed. we will move on. Uh, <laughs> so let's catch up on things that we are watching. And before we get into the anime talk, it's been a while since we've had a Tokusatsu Toku Time update mm. with Iro and Zig. Oh yeah. And maybe you guys can fill us in on uh what what's going on these days. Sure. So <clears throat> sorry about that. Um we are still on the same two shows that we had last time we had Toku Time. So that is uh Osama Sentai King Oja and uh Common Rider Gotchard and they have taken radically different paths to get to this point, I will say. Uh, Iro, do you want to say something about um, King Oja? King Oja is sort of just has revealed its hand as a poor Gurren imitator. Uh, right? It's just yeah, a lot it, of the same plot beats like adjusted for well, time skips. Hmm? What does it mean to imitate Gurren Lagann poorly? They are, they, you know, they had the first half of the show was about fighting these, uh, you know, evil, evil bug creatures. And then they defeated the evil bug creatures. And the second half of the show has been about the intergalactic conqueror who created the original conflict in the first place and now is here to kill all of them. And, you know, the scale has, the scale has increased and the King Ogers are, you know, go, going into space and trying to create plans to evacuate mm. to another planet and powering up to fight in bigger and bigger and bigger mechs to fight yep. this uh, intergalactic being. And also it turns out the uh, Big Bad actually created our hero uh, in like a weird conspiracy which happened thousands of years ago and all that kind of stuff. And this is bad? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, this must be pretty bad, because like what you're describing on paper, I'm like, yeah, you know? Well, I'll, all I'll that stuff worked out pretty well for Gurren Lagann. I, I, I love to row, row, fight the power. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, you know, Gurren Lagann has strong presentation and writing, and <laughs> things happen in ways yeah. that make sense. So, Although but, now I'm trying to imagine this happening on a typical uh, toku budget. Yeah, thing. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's part of the, I mean, to, to, well, it's worth reiterating that this is the show which is shot entirely against green screen, like Mandalorian mm, yes. style, except, mm -hmm. again, on a tokusatsu budget. So it consistently has the problem of looking ugly and extremely fake. Um, and Not in a fun way. It's occasionally in a fun way when they do something weird and cool with it but most of the time it's just like instead of fighting in a real street we're fighting in a back projected street and now it's it just everything looks kind of muddy oh. and um the the problem the problem with the storytelling at least in my opinion is that they have a huge number of interesting cool ideas and absolutely no idea on how to implement them or 
like realistically build or pay them off. Mm-hmm. So like they're, they're chucking out cool concepts left, right, and center, and they are either resolved within like ten minutes, or they come out of nowhere and have no lasting impact, and then immediately end again. Yeah. I mean, would would you say that's a fair critique there, Imo? Yeah, I'd say probably around once an episode. I'm thinking to myself, this exchange, this like exchange or moment would be not bad. It would be pretty all right if there was any work put into making it fit anything that else that has happened. It's like none of it's earned, right? Yeah. And and part of the problem is that the characters are just not likable. I mean, I, I think it's it's difficult to like write decent characters in a in a Super Sentai show because again it's a show aimed at six year olds, you know, but um but there there's just you know, the characters don't really display agency. They don't really have personalities beyond their predefined um, one personality quirk. So, you know, one of them is stoic. One of them is vain. One of them is goofy. And and they don't really have much of a personality beyond that. I mean, a, a good example is the Blue Ranger, who they set up as like somebody who built his kingdom up from scratch. And uh, there's one episode where like he has to choose between his best friend and like remaining king of the kingdom. And he chooses his best friend and they destroy the entire kingdom. And that's kind of cool. And it's not mentioned again for like half a dozen episodes. And when it is mentioned again, it turns out they've rebuilt it off screen and everything. is (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of like constant idea, anti-climax progression we're getting yeah. through here you know they just can't stick to a single idea a single concept and you know it feels like it feels like you know a 10 year old wrote it you know the <laughs> ideas are great but there's absolutely no ability to build drama or tension or anything really it's and it's over ambitious for what it is right yeah. like and maybe, I don't know, maybe that, I don't know if it's actually been popular with the kids or what, because uh, maybe maybe a kid watches this and goes, wow, so much is going on. This is so cool, right? But we are we are used to seeing the seams. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Not the target audience, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we always have to preface that we are right. very much not the target I mean, you guys, audience. You guys can usually differentiate when it's like oh well this is just a kid show being a kid show versus this is just not well written. yeah <laughs> and i mean and it stands out particularly compared to the current common writer yes yeah let's okay. switch to gotchard because gotchard is way less ambitious it, it's following the common rider the modern common rider formula basically to a t but it's really successful at executing all the things it's trying to do and mm-hmm. as a result, the show is really genuinely good. You know, the they are they are building up, you know, small plot threads that last a couple of episodes each, but they're satisfying, they pay off, there's some fun stuff, there's some scary stuff, you know, it's it's a very well put together nuts and bolts show. Mm-hmm. The writer of Comrade Gotchard is Keiji Hasegawa, who uh Yes, has worked on many Toku shows and also Rage Bahama Genesis and Gridman Dynasty on. Ah, yes. So, and like it's it's a very illustrative comparison, you know, because again, 
I don't think Gotchard is being tremendously ambitious. You know, it has all the hallmarks. You know, there's an evil bad guy. He has minions. There's one guy who's turned from the good guys to the bad guys. And, you know, the, the second rider is a tortured, you know, sort of badass who's by the <laughs> standards of 10-year-olds, you know. Um, but it's just like the things the characters do make sense they integrate the like obligatory goofy power-ups really well. The jokes are funny. The actors mostly seem into it, and they actually have motivation, you know? <laughs> um, and and it just it makes sense as a very solid, you know, kids' afternoon show. And yes, I know it's actually shown in the morning, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think there, there's been an excellent recent plot arc which focuses on the second rider, whose name, I will remind you, is Kuragane Spanner, um, about <laughs> how, um, you know, he, he was killed, like his parents were killed by the bad guy when he was young. And, you know, they, in one of the funniest... Unin- <laughs> I think it is might it, is be, it, might be, it might be intentional. Um, I think I, I think it's the right way to do camp, sort of, which is it is it is plausibly it, deniable. Yeah, um, I think to to the writer, they're probably like, yeah. this is hilarious, but yeah. so you can take it at face value. I, as they have a monster of the week who can bring people back from the dead, and just to be clear, there's no. There's no catches to this. This monster of the week can just bring people back from the dead. And their their evil plan is they're going to drive this guy into despair and turn him into a more powerful monster of the week. So to that uh, end, they bring his parents back to life and then kill them in fr- front of him again. And they oh do this God. three times over the course of two episodes. And it's super <laughs> funny. Um, and, and it is like it is done properly, like super moustache twirling style. And, you know, right. it's so dumb. And yet they play it for like maximum goofy drama. And of course, you know, he loses control and he turns into a sick looking monster. And then he has to fight like the main rider has to fight him. But no, he powers through his anger and grief and emerges with a new rider form himself. And, you know, it's, it's script like <laughs> 101, but they do it so well. And like the actors are selling it. Um, the script is smart enough to kind of like keep winking at the camera occasionally and it's just good fun you know it's just really good fun and there's you know yeah I, no sorry go ahead joe yeah i was gonna say i mean like what else could you ask for for me right. children's exactly. television program yeah. other than to be good yeah. fun right for mm-hmm. in all ages yeah. <laughs> absolutely and i think you know they have got a couple of plot threads that are bubbling away in the background i don't expect this to turn into a grand conspiracy theory but they're just good at the little things at remembering like little character motivations little plot threads you know and they just keep them bubbling with a line here or an aside glance there or a quick camera shot here and there, you know, and and just kind of like you never get the feeling that they have forgotten about something. They're keeping right. stuff in the loop, even if it's just only for a very, very brief uh, time. And, you know, most of the cast seems to understand the material and to be playing to it very well you know there's a running joke in Carmen Rider shows that the second rider is mostly there to be tortured and like look pretty edgy, well yeah. yeah look edgy and pretty while his world is collapsing around him and it it works well here you know I mean my only major critique against it is the actress who plays main girl is not good 
Right. She's been given. She's been given. Just you know, solid material, but she is not particularly good at acting it out. Yes. Uh, uh, and you know, it's less a question of quality of acting. We just need more acting. <laughs> you know, like it could be more bad acting, but we need more acting from her. Everybody else understands that this is a quantity, not quality, uh, job. Yes. But but yeah, you know, it is just a very well put together adventure story that keeps throwing out cool twists and fun character stuff. Yeah. And you know, it it's sort of it's it's a really striking contrast between King Oja, which has this huge ambition and is trying to tell this epic tale and just, you know, is building building a castle on sand. Whereas this, you know, is a much more modest affair, at least currently, but executes so well that it is very clearly and obviously a better show. Yeah. 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 Uh, I should also note that King Oja finishes in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by the next Toku time, there will be a new Super Sentai coming out. We don't yes. know much about it it's called boom boom jur uh cars <laughs> yeah no really really yeah. uh it is about cars and it will have a theme song by masaki endo and that is basically yep. all we know um, oh maybe, they have... maybe they're uh maybe they're gonna recover on that one then mm, <laughs> uh, another car themed one so yeah this, they have tires for heads um I, I think i think a cool theme song can only take you so far yeah, it can only carry you so far. yeah maybe we'll see yeah. well i mean it's a, it's a, either cars dinosaurs or cops right so i mean uh-huh. there's only so many variations animals. you can have yeah you've yeah. pretty much covered all the bases there honestly Nin- ninjas yeah ninjas oh true you have ninjas one, so. yeah Space, mm-hmm. um, yep. you know. I guess could, could you could you divide like Sentai into like three general like genuses of like yes. emulating biological creatures, emulating occupations, and then emulating like concepts. Concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what does Kaiju basically do that? Like, yeah, kind of. I mean, you can you can broadly divide it into these are the magic ones, these are the science ones, and these are like. The, uh, I mean, the... well, just like Common Rider, we have over on the triangle of biotech and uh, and um, magic. magic. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be clear, when I say occupations, uh, ninja and cowboys <clears throat> fall under uh, that umbrella. There yeah. was a ninja yeah. cowboy at one point. Um, Excellent. Yeah. He transformed yes. using a burger. When in in the previous anniversary series, Zenkaiger, where the Rangers were specifically based on just like the broader concepts of the series writ large the the rangers were dinosaur animal magic and machine so <laughs> yeah, sounds about okay. right it was that a fairly meta right. show overall yeah um, yeah but yeah you know uh there's kind of a running gag that super sentai and Kamen rider can never be good at the same yes, time I, yes and, <laughs> and at the moment it is very much Kamen rider Con- that's in the ascendant continues I, to be true yeah I was about to bring that up. <laughs> yes. Yep. And uh, there's also on, also on the Toku front, there's a new Garo. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Garo's back? Garo's yeah. back because the patchy parlors yep. are back. Okay, I was going to say, I feel like Garo just straight up feels like it stopped existing. Because the patchy parlors were closed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Like, the past couple of live-action Garos have been sort of weird diversions into... Like the last one was kind of basically a kung fu battle royale where Garo only showed up at the very end, and it was oh, weird because 
I was about to say, I don't know, Garo Kung Fu Battle Royale sounds pretty cool. And it the was. was. Garo doesn't was. show up. No, I mean, it, yeah, but it was just dudes fighting, right? Like, sure, sure. <laughs> It was very sure. cool, but it was also, like, extremely unconnected to the sort of... For, sure. And to be clear, like, Garo has always kind of run multiple continuities, but this right. new Garo show is, is a direct sequel to the, to the second Garo show, uh, which was called um, the one, the one who shines, shines in the darkness. darkness. Yeah. yeah, so they got back all that cast and everything like that, and you know it's cool. Like it looks great for a Toku show. They're, you know, it's <sighs> relatively expensive. The last episode was just them fighting a zombie apocalypse, which was pretty fantastic. Um, the ladies are still sultry and mysterious. The dudes are still hot himbos. Um, there's still a lot of like sub like sub B movie gore and stuff like that. Um but I'll what you know I will I will <laughs> be a little downer more of a downer on it and like sure. the the writing in that show is nothing. There there is it's an excuse, right? There's yes. absolutely zero <laughs> Yeah, not much is actually of it. is yeah. kind of the problem with that show so far. Like the cool stuff is cool, but like there's there's been zero actual. You know, it's been six episodes. You know what the plot is? The Garo comes to the new city, and because the dude in charge of that city is an angry teen whose dad disappeared a couple years ago, and he feels like he needs to live up to that, but he's just so angry, and maybe he'll fall into the darkness, or maybe he won't. But in the meantime, whatever you have to fight monsters, and Garo will have to tell this kid. About twice an episode, you need to, to learn what it up. is to be a true Makai Knight, etc., yeah. okay, etc. Like, is this is this Garo Knight like the width of three men? No. Does does he eat no. piles of burgers and steaks? And no. I think the funniest part to me is he just look he looks confused at all times. Yes. He just has this kind of face. <laughs> he has enormous himbo energy. It's, he okay, looks like he fine. just smoked a just hit a blunt and is. A little bit confused about why sure. he's here. I mean, you know, Sword also had enormous himbo energy. If yes, you really it, get it, down it's, to it's it, it's very much in that vein. You know, I mean, Iro is completely right. There is no plot <laughs> here. Um, but also, you know, everybody looks like they're in a Visual K video, and the the horror last time was like. Um, infected a bunch of telemarketers who then turned into shambling zombies, and. And yeah, I, I mean, like, I think it looks cool, and the fights are awesome. And every every time I see a live action shot of Garo, and I see <laughs> these costumes, I'm like, how did the anime convince them to just let them dress the Garo guys as like relatively normal people? I mean, by setting it 400 years in the past is the no, answer. Well, even the modern day one, Sword just wears a tank top and jeans. <laughs> I mean, because it's really hard to animate, like, wearing leather everything. Yeah, I um, guess that's true. There is so much leather, like, leather and fake leather mm -hmm. and, and fucking, uh, yeah, it's... Um, like Sorry, I, said, I just if... looked up Sword and I didn't remember what his real name was and now I'm losing it. What's his real name? I don't think it's I have a sword. Wilhelm Wagenwald. Sure. No, sure. it's not. It's sword. Sword, sword is his real name. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sword. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, if you enjoy shows where everybody looks like they're in a gacked video circa 2003, you should watch Garo. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm unfortunately going to cut this off at Garo yes. costume choices mm-hmm. and uh, move on. But, uh, yes. you know, we'll, yes. we'll, we'll keep an eye on, on that for sure. Your, there's your Toku minute. And that's your, that's been your Toku time update. Uh, all right. Let's move on to our anime talk and the shows we have remaining on this season. Yes. And we can start with Free Ren Beyond Journey's End. Yes. Uh, we've we've guys, finished part one of the Wizard DMV. We're moving yep. on to part two of the Wizard DMV. The important guys, lesson important. I learned from this show is that beating up old men is cool. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I was I was pretty bored on most of this, but mm. we we had, so the first episode, yeah, the first episode we had the kind of break in between the first part of the exam and the second part of the exam, mm-hmm. where we got to see all of our new found char- mage friends, characters, whatever, uh, ha- uh, in their uh-huh. downtime for the day. Uh, none of that really made me care about them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> quite honestly, it doesn't work. Like, like the best, the best parts of that episode are, you know, the part where Freyrin and Fern meet up with Stark again, and Stark has done the thing that we have all done when our parents go on vacation and leave us yes. at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, because uh, our parents are traveling overseas and the dates are different, you have mistaken which day they are coming back from the vacation. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so they are knocking, they are opening the door at like 2.30 p.m. And you're like, oh, shit, I thought they were coming home tomorrow. Right. Or from my yeah. perspective, uh, even now, if I have a couple of days off of work, I become nocturnal, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So like... He's like they're they're like knocking on the door and it's like like five o'clock in the after in the evening or something. The sun's going down and uh, he's just waking up. He's like just waking Stark up. Stark just woke up. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say as well. Like I know this point has been made several times in the previous episodes, but I was not on those. Um, it's so jarring to go from like the the like relatively subdued character design to just this battle royale where everybody looks like a bleach extra. Like it's yep. it's very weird kind of like it's, shift in in yeah. sort of like when what's the name of Freeland's two hangers on right. in group like where they just showed up as like oh it's an anime because like one <laughs> of them is a gothic lolita and the other one is wearing thigh high boots and booty shorts and I was like oh we just like radically shifted paradigm here. Um, yeah, I mean that yeah, that I, continues to be the feeling about this arc, for better yeah, or worse, is yeah. like this is a yes, a paradigm shift, right? Like we have fundamentally changed genres for the duration of this arc, um, and yeah, I, I, I think will for say, me, yeah, go ahead. I for me, like, I'm not. Nec- I don't even. I, I don't even think that the shift is so much the problem as like they're dumping all these characters on us that, like I said, I don't like any of them. <laughs> like even uh, what's the old guy's name? Duncan. Like he's interesting. Like he's an interesting character, but like, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I like him. I don't know, but well, everyone I mean, else is just like anime cliche, mm-hmm. whatever. And there's so many of them that are just like, I don't care about any of you. I, I, half of them. I actively dislike <laughs> right, I mean, Denken like, is also meant to be the bad guy, so he's meant to be interesting, but not 
necessarily likable, right? Or yeah, so, the so bad guy, he is at least antagonistic. So I think he works. He works, but the rest of them are just like they, a lot of them. They want you to like care or be interested. Like, look, look. I know a lot of people are thirsty for the murder girl. <laughs> even I, of course they are. She's a murder girl. And look, we love us ourselves a problematic wifey around here. Even I can't get into her. I don't know, but I, I that that to me kind of feels like the the largest of the problems with this arc to me. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. whereas the you know I don't love the the tonal shift either, but I can kind of put up with. I I think I could put up with that if we were still like getting interesting you know character stories yeah. and I. In many ways, I kind of get why, for the first part of the exam, they split up Freyren and Fern, because, mm-hmm. it, you know, the gimmick there is them having to work in a, like, party composition that they are not familiar with. Yeah. yeah. But at the end of the day, once you put them back together in the second test, it kind of it kind of works better, just because, like, okay, now we are back to the dynamic we are used to, and... Yeah. The problem, of course, then just becomes anytime the camera is not focused on them, right? It's like, yeah. all right, let's see what this group is up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you must understand, Jill, the, <laughs> the version we were being shown in the anime <sighs> is already way better than the manga. Like, because at least the yeah. anime has the benefit of, like, really, really slick production value. It looks great. Like, it can show... <laughs> uh... What's her name? Like Kung Fu fighting. Uh, yes, uh, Lao yeah, Fing. Like, like, the action yeah. has been good, generally. Yes, like, it's like, been let, me, let me be clear. All these fights, all these cool fights that you're like, man, these, these are some really good looking fights. They don't exist in the manga. Or right. they like, do, they're like, like one panel, right? It's a one panel shot of like Denken firing a beam and then they cut to the end of the fight. Like the anime yeah. is doing so much heavy lifting anytime a fight happens during this arc. And that's not to say that, oh, a good fight can redeem bad writing, but more like, well, a good fight can at least act as a, like, release valve (laughs) in the middle of what is an otherwise, like, kind of middling story. Right, because I'm, like, watching, you know, we so we get into, when we get into episode two, that's when they start the second part of the test, and they have to go to the bottom of this mysterious dungeon, and that's where a a lot of the action happens, and I'm like, you know whatever characters that aren't free run the, the the free run and fern parts are very funny their part yeah. right yes. like that was fun like when you know the uh the you know nobody taking this test would be dumb enough to fall for a mimic cut to free run sticking your head in the mimic is yes, very funny yes. <laughs> but uh but you know the, the other parties i'm like oh all right it's i guess it's their turn to be on camera and as i'm getting you know bored or frustrated or whatever ooh you know magic lasers um yes. so uh, that does you know, that does help yeah uh i i will say they at least do throw a fun little curveball at the end of this episode right with the reveal that oh one of the traps in this dungeon is like, like summon yeah summons copies right? of you yeah and naturally, the story takes this to its logical conclusion of who is the worst possible person the doppelganger could copy, and it's Freyren, right? It's it's your it's it's your relatively convenient non-brainwash way uh-huh. to turn Freyren into a temporary right. antagonist, and uh, yeah, it's kind of the first time in the story where you kind of feel like there might be some real stakes here because you are watching a bunch of. People who are not Freyren and Fern have to fight Freyren. Yeah. Also, like, is, is the implication there that the copied Freyren is as powerful as yes. the real Freyren? Yeah, yes, that they, they, seems. They, they say that um, 
when the when the kung fu girl is fighting herself, they kind of explicitly say she that the copy was just as powerful as you were. Yes, they so, intentionally set that up early so that <laughs> yeah, right. But then why hasn't somebody twigged onto that idea and just created like an army of unstoppable clones? Well, it's right? it's like attached to this dungeon, right? Like right, it's, okay. yeah, there's like a monster or something yeah. in there that's what they're saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, that does I, it, like I guess it, not it's something just anyone like, has control you know, of. They, but, yeah. they have they have so. F- gone out of their way to describe to like establish Freyron as like a world destroyingly powerful mage that anything that's like oh now there's one now we've created someone who's just as powerful seems a little sketch. well temporarily right right I mean, yeah nevertheless yeah. I, yeah i'm sure there's some kind of catch I, to it that we'll yes you know see and later but yeah i don't want to say this excuses the writing but once you meet um the regional manager of this magical dmv <laughs> you'll realize a lot of the plot holes in this arc can be waved away with a wizard did it which is not yeah. a good excuse but it is the excuse that Freyrin decides right. to leverage yeah right and it you know it sets up the classic can you fight yourself whatever thing yeah that, that's the and, real reason and and as happening. we've seen no, nothing has been of any real danger to Freyrin anyway so the only thing that could be of danger to her is herself, right? So, <laughs> right. But uh, I, I think I think the writing has been smart enough to generally acknowledge that and focus on, you know, things which are not challenges to her in terms of raw power. Right. The, the show right. up to now has not really been about will Freyren overcome the baddie. You know, there are other factors involved, and. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that was a lot smarter than saying, now we created a bad guy who's just as powerful as Freyron. Yeah. Well, it's, to be clear, it's not like it's an antagonistic force. It is a roadblock in this dungeon. Yeah, yeah, I know. But like, I mean, in terms of story structure. Right, right. Like, there is like, the, the there is the other, uh, I, I whatever the, the other thousand year old elf uh, that they yeah, introduced. Yeah. Syria, yeah. Yeah, yes. that's running the test or whatever. I forget what her title was, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, ultimately, and I hope we get back to a point where free run is not about the combat anyway, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. yeah. it will happen eventually, but uh... we got a ways to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that like, I've, I've never not enjoyed watching the show. I still think the show is perfectly fine. It's just yeah. nowhere near as good as it was before. Yeah. I'm not. This I'm not like. Of, no. I'm not like dreading watching Free Run every week, like it's a task or anything. Like oh, I'm no, still no, no, enjoying no. it. It's just I. I continue to be a little disappointed that this is not what we signed up for. Right. But. Like like when when Ira and I were like you know tugging on our collars about like where the Free Run <laughs> anime would go, we were not yeah. talking about it in a sort of like, oh, it goes to shit sort of thing. Just a like, ah, some of those later chapters. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't don't quite hit. They don't hit the uh, same. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, it 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 is still it is still pretty solid. You know, I do want to see how they get out of the predicament that they put themselves in at the end of the latest episode. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's still things going for it. I think it was kind of smart to have somebody else fight fake Freerun first than just cut right. to Freerun fighting fake Freerun. So, that does make it a little more interesting. Sure, throw but, a few jobbers in there. To uh, especially the, the the one party that would probably have the best chance of dealing with it anyway, but um, yeah. 
Maybe, like, would it have helped if they just trimmed down the number of new characters? Probably. Yeah. 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 Because there's like, so we, there's so many. We we needed like one less full JRPG party. Yeah. Worth of people in this test. So many, and and you know they're going to stick around at least for a little while because they all have their own like bespoke designs and everything, right? Like yes. <laughs> so you know they're not at least for you know another round except, or two they're going to be around. The weird Earthbender guy who has like the most generic design in history. <laughs> Looks like an NPC could talk. Like I was going to say, is he the doomed doomed to be the first to go? But we had the one girl go in in this episode that was uh, doomed to uh right. Exit by Gollum, I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's not much different than what we said last time, but you know, we're still enjoying it on some level, at least. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. I guess. Uh, I, I, you know what? I'm not going to make any claims about the Apothecary Diaries. I was going to say something no. to the effect of shows continuing along as is, but I, I'm not. I will let you guys confirm if that is the case. Speaking um, of shows continuing on as is, <laughs> no, I yeah. mean I was. <laughs> Zig, we you have not watched the next two episodes which yeah, involve yeah, a plot. Clock. <laughs> if 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 we want to talk about a show that has decided to escalate, uh, yeah. you know, in the great in the great words of Shaquille O'Neal, I have to say to the Apothecary Diaries. Um, I owe you an apology. Mm. I wasn't really familiar with your game. <laughs> um, wow. I, uh, yeah, they escalate <laughs> in quite, okay. quite some ways. Yeah, so I'm curious to hear what you think about this because I already um, know everything that's going on. Sure. Yeah. So, so the, 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 the brief summary of the last few episodes of the Apothecary Diaries have been the buildup of multiple plot threads that have been kind of simmering in the background, right? The mm-hmm. the true identity of Jinshi, uh, uh-huh. Lakan's relationship to Mao Mao, um, the various, like, weird crimes that keep happening mm-hmm. in the court that the, Mao Mao uh, is yes. u- uniquely suited to solve. The disabled uh, courtesan in the, the annex. Look. Yes, yes. The exile of, you know, a, you know one of the main concubines. Like, it's almost a little too much, but in I mean, the latest episode, they basically <laughs> explain how each and every single one of those seemingly disconnected <laughs> events that have happened for the last 11 episodes are all part of an interconnected conspiracy to, I guess, assassinate Jin Shi, who is not, in fact, the head eunuch of the inner court, but like secret royalty. I guess, like probably, probably the true like prince heir apparent to the the dynasty throne. Yeah, to to be fair, that bit was fairly obvious from like that part. Half a yes, dozen episodes yes. Back. No, but the part that's a little much is the every mystery. Yes, all of the like, past like five mysteries have been like one piece of like, the puzzle. Like they explained that. Well, you see, the fire in the warehouse was to steal tools related to ceremonial rites. <laughs> and you see, the reason nobody noticed is because both of the managers of that warehouse were incapacitated in mysterious, seemingly disconnected ways, and thus nobody checked the inventory of what had been missing. And you see, the case with the, the special the metal, like, yeah. 
was because they wanted to create a metal with a low melting point. Yep. And that too is related to the conspiracy. Okay. And also, okay. you've and, been speaking to a cassette tape all along. <laughs> yeah, basically, and it's it's you know it's a lot. <laughs> it's it's but mm-hmm. it broadly works in the sense that like I'll admit that like while I could tell that okay clearly these are building up to something. Uh, I did not see the ways in which they connected to each other, and mm-hmm. you know, in, in a good way of uh, in, in a good way, a mystery twist happens, right? Where once you realize where the mystery is headed, mm-hmm. you have that sudden like realization of like, oh, that's why that happened, sort of thing. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess yeah, you know, it, you know, in essence, it, you know, we are we are seeing another like big, what I assume to be another like big status quo shift in the story now with Mao Mao realizing the true identity of Jinshi and also now coming into personal contact with uh, Lakan, who is mm-hmm. uh, the shady military officer who is likely her biological father. Yeah, there's a good bit, uh, and she, she knows who he is. Because there's a good bit where Jinshi is like, so this guy named Lacan wants to talk to you, and she just glowers, or like, you know, she 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 has made expressions before, but makes just expression of pure contempt. And right? to understand, like what what Ira's not mentioning mm-hmm. here is that they jump scare you with it, right? Like, that was it that was on, uh, yeah. it, it appears on screen for two frames. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. it's one of those types of things. Right. Like, it flashes for such a short period of time, you're not even sure what you saw. But Join what you do eight. see is the reaction to it by the other mm-hmm. character who sees it. And yeah. uh, that was very a, effective. I like that because in the in the manga, it is like you get a, like a whole page splash of just her expression, of, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, I like how they handled that in the anime. It's just, okay, I, uh, I do have an important question. How are the chibi cutaways? <laughs> Still frequent, even in the latest yeah. episode. Even the latest Good. episode where they're like, damn, you mean all those accidental deaths were actually intentional murders? And then Mama's like, oh boy, medicine. And yeah. it's like, uh-huh. I mean, look, I appreciate a good escalation. Yeah. I think the show has needed like a solid central plot for a while, but also I want the things I like about it to be continue. <laughs> so they still are. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I-, I continue to be surprised by, by yeah. what this show has been doing. I mean, um, I- I'm broadly encouraged to hear that because I think that, you know, my. My enjoyment of the Apothecary Diaries up to this point has largely been predicated on what it does rather than what it is, if that distinction makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think that it's much it's been much stronger in, you know, the the things like the goofs and kind of like the moment to moment action rather than having like a compelling central plot or central dilemma. So to hear that they're, you know, moving towards some sort of overarching plot, to me at least, is is an interesting way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, um, you, in the latest, you do get the thing where you're, we are so. I think we are so used to Mamo just like talking to people above her, and like socially, and then they they're cool with it, or they 
Right. Or they or like, acquiesce yeah. because right because they, they understand like the validity. Of yeah. Her they like her or know her or understand that. And you get the you get the bit where she tries to do that to just some guard, and he just goes, "Well, you're a." It's not worth listening to you, and just clubs her on the side of the yeah, head. Yeah, just brutalizes right? her and physically. Like, oh, right. <laughs> oh, right. right. Like, this, this is kind of the expected reaction, actually. Yeah, it's not right. a like, magic uh, anime bubble that she's normally in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, I, yeah, I do, like, I actually did rather, in, well, I mean, enjoy is maybe the wrong word, yeah. but I really did like the usage of this. Mo- this mm-hmm. I enjoyed the le- how violence was leveraged in this episode, because... yeah. It is one of those stark reminders that, like, what makes Mao Mao relatively, like, unique is her ability to speak up in situations which this society has, like, violently communicated to most of the people who live in it that you do not go above your station. And when you do, this is what happens to you. Mm-hmm. And this is not to say that Mao Mao is, like, willfully naive about this, but it is one of those moments of a, like a harsh meeting with reality yeah. that, hey, your bullshit doesn't work on everybody. Yeah. Like, like for the most part, the people she's dealing with are, like, smart or rational enough to, like, swallow their pride and recognize, like, what she is saying is correct. And sometimes you're going to deal with a thug. And what a thug is going to do when you try to tell him off is <laughs> he's just going to fucking beat the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a good like punctuation to how, as many times as she has said paid lip service to like, well, I'm just a lowly servant, so I shouldn't be saying this. But uh, and so to have it like, no, yeah, this is why this this. Is- right, <laughs> yes, this guard is saying something. yes, you are a lowly servant, and you shouldn't be saying this. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Well. Yeah. Now that I'm caught up with everything else, maybe I should watch this. I don't know. <laughs> it is a little intimidating now that I'm down a whole season. Uh, yeah. And what uh, do you, you talk know. about, Joe? There's plenty of time. I mean, it's Oof. not like you have to. It's not like you're watching all of Vinland Saga in a month. Well, <laughs> as much as it sounds like you guys are enjoying this, I get the impression it is not Vinland Saga tier uh, no, marathon it at all costs. Not. Uh, <laughs> not rated that highly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, nevertheless, it, it has sounded good from what you guys have said. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Yeah. Let's move on to Dungeon Meshi, aka oh, yeah. Delicious in Dungeon. Still good. Uh, still ah, good. Dungeon Meshi. You know, it, Meshi. I I would say this show is continuing to truck along, but I feel like for mm-hmm. me, I've been enjoying it more, and it's like in subtle ways that the show has continued to like improve mm-hmm. itself and build on itself. Yeah. Whereas on the surface, yeah, it looks like they're kind of doing the same type of adventures and everything. Right. But I think these latest two episodes, six and seven, really do represent a like. I don't. I'm. I'm not going to say status quo shift because it is nothing as obvious as that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I would. Last two episodes, but I think yeah. these last two episodes very much represent the like. Ah, like, like in many ways, the real dungeon meshy starts here, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is like where you realize that all the things that like the story's kind of been slowly building up to are now kind of like, kind of running at full speed, right? Yeah. Like the the themes of like the dungeon as an ecosystem, the themes of the party dynamic, the themes of like what Fallen meant to these people, mm-hmm. um. You know, the the ways in which the dungeon is actually far more dangerous and oppressive than 
our like goofy crew might make it seem at times. Yeah, uh, like it's, it's all kind of like coming together and synergizing in really strong ways in, the, in these last two episodes. Um, yeah, yeah. The first, uh, the first episode we had like the was it the living paintings? Yes, and then the and mimic. The, yeah, the mimic, which I interesting to basically make a mimic a giant crab. That was, oh, crab, it's so yeah. good! It's yeah, so good. Actually made actually made a lot of sense. <laughs> um, so, which, oh, sorry, go on, Joe. Go ahead, Zig. Well, I was going to say, I'm in broad agreement about the quality of the show, which is fantastic. I'm not sure that I entirely agree with you about its thematic weight, G. Like, I, I don't... I think I am primarily enjoying the show as a goofy comedy, and I don't really feel that I have gotten greater insight into the things that you were talking about over these last few episodes. Perhaps I'm not looking, but as somebody who is not familiar with the source material... That's my take on it. You know, don't don't get me wrong. I think it is a fantastic show. I think we can see wonderful. where that we can already see, like know where those threads are going. Yeah, right. right. So it's like, yeah, like, to, to me, it's kind of like, yes, you know, it's neat that like since you that like we had this episode focusing on Chill Chuck that gives a little bit more kind of like meat to his character, but not in the sense that it contributes to our greater understanding of you know the dungeon, the ecosystem, the plot, etc. It's neat because it is a focus episode on a character, you know. Yeah. But I don't necessarily feel that I I have a strong idea of the identity of the show beyond like fun comedy that riffs on a lot of common fantasy and well, tabletop mm-hmm. RPG tropes there. And I, again, I, I do... I'm not saying this is a diss. I'm just saying that that sure, is the view that I, I have of it at the moment. I mean, I guess you're right then. Maybe, you know, Ira and I have the benefit of hindsight, but you know, I think like for example, episode six, you know, the living paintings part, which is probably the like less visually striking of the two halves of that episode, mm-hmm. does begin to like introduce this idea of like there is a history to this dungeon, right? Like yes. yeah. it's very intentional that Lyos jumps to three different paintings and they are all part of a an interconnected history of a place, right? Like you know, that, that mm-hmm. he is essentially jumping to three different times right. in history being portrayed by these paintings. And Laos being Laos, he doesn't really care about that. He's just trying to eat some food. Right, but- well, that that's kind of the thing, right? I, I think that there are clearly, like, important parts of that. I mean, the identity of mysterious miniature elf person who is in the opening credits, so I know they're an important character, you know. <laughs> but mostly that also just seems to me to be a joke, if that makes sense. Like, that he, that he is leaping through various time periods, but all he's doing is looking for a good meal. Yeah, like, I think what that... it is, is like, you, you know, the elf is like, in that third painting, the elf goes, hey, what the hell's with you? I saw you Yes. A hundred years. I saw you in those other times. Yeah. What are you doing here? Right. Yeah. Right. I, to, to me, to me with that part, and again, as the other person with no prior, mm-hmm. prior knowledge about Dungeon Meshi, I, I also kind of didn't think too much about other than right. the paintings being connected to history, having mm-hmm. that, having any connection with anything other than this one off episode. But, um, it's, yeah. it's just stuff to keep in mind for later. Uh, yeah, so so I mean, it's it's different perspectives, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I, I think th- I think what I was saying to to, to Zig's point, I, I kind of I kind of also feel that way to a certain degree, but I I feel like I can also see them building, even if I don't fully understand 
the scope of where we're going with all this. Like I can right. see, especially for me, the thing that is like the, the, the party chemistry stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we get, so like we, we, this, the second episode, we'll throw in the second episode cause we can kind of, I guess, talk about them both at the same time. But you know, the second episode we get with the, um, with the, uh, the Kelpie and, yeah. uh, I guess that I guess that was like the real main part of the episode. The Kraken and, and the the mermaids. Yeah, it kind of goes into the the, the Kraken and the the, the water stuff. Right? <laughs> the water, yeah, zone. the water the monsters. Water zone. Yeah, the water zone. Um, yeah. I think I think that you know just quickly. I think that was the most character focused episode yet. As well. yeah, but but I I think having it now, you know, at this point, this is seven episodes in when this happens. I appreciate. The, like the, the the party chemistry is like the, the one of the main appeals to me because I appreciate everybody has had an opportunity to be both right and wrong if that makes sense right yes, yes absolutely <laughs> so like nobody so like somebody like Senshi who you know has a ton of knowledge and experience with the dungeon and a mm. lot of times it sounds like he's the you know the he you know everything he says is going to be correct and you know you know poor young naive Marcel is going to be you know mm-hmm. prove it wrong every episode like that's kind of been the joke format up. and then the kelpie just immediately drags him underwater yeah <laughs> right. and, and 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 it's it's not the, it's not like the first time this has happened with with senshi but mm. it's i think it's the most significant where it's like right well because it's in many ways like this this the theme of like this storyline is that senshi has sort of taken to to viewing himself as like you know, a like D and D ranger, right? The protector like the keeper, of yeah. the dungeon, the keeper yeah. of the ecosystem, and that it is it is through his tireless efforts that the dungeon's ecosystem remains in balance, and and he can show that by his his kinship with the animals of the uh-huh. of the environment, right? And it kind of it's kind of a fun quote unquote betrayal of like, hey, you can you can like bef- you you can befriend a wild animal to an extent. Like mm-hmm. you can form a non-hostile relationship, but at the end of the day, it is not a domesticated creature. And yes. yeah, yeah. You know, also, some animals are just dicks. Yeah, uh-huh. and so like, yeah, right. So, I, I guess my my broader point is like, you know, you can see everybody's strengths and weaknesses, and therefore why they need each other and why they would bond together, right? Yes. And, yeah. and then and, you kind of like almost have the intentional compare and contrast of the other party that keeps dying in the dungeon. <laughs> yeah. So so and those and that and that's a, that's an element that I think was noticeable from episode one. But until you've had time to see them actually do it, you don't really appreciate right. how good they are at it. You know, until <laughs> until you've had some time yeah. to, to a, see it. Along with a lot of ensemble shows, sometimes you find yourself asking like, why the hell are these people still hanging out together? Right. right. And yeah, the in Dungeon Meshi, it, it's very clear why yeah. why these people it's, are it's, it's freaks who like to eat things. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and it, it has been fun again. See, yeah, seeing the other party appear again in contrast. I guess, yeah. uh, although I, I guess we we don't this time we didn't really see much of them at all, other than being dead. Right, but <laughs> <laughs> this is where some of like Dungeon Meshi as an adaptation is like. You can feel the briskness of the pace. Um, yeah. the The original manga shows how they get killed, and okay. you know it's. I wouldn't say it's like vital to the story, but like it helps characterize them. Like, it, it, yes, because you see why they get killed. Yeah. Uh, whereas 
Here, it kind of leans more into the angle of just, like, you just need to understand that this party is composed similarly to the hero's party, but just not as good. <laughs> yeah. Right, and, and also, like, I think that although you lose depth by not having the the reason why they killed, in a certain way, it makes the joke funnier, right? Because the punchline <laughs> is snappier to a certain Yes, it's the hard cut so to their corpses. Yeah, like, and they're dead, and Chilbrook's like, how the hell do they get ahead of us? Right. Yeah, and, <laughs> yes. that is a good bit. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, that might be influencing my perception somewhat as well, you know, because clearly as a fast, you know, as a faster, brisker adaptation of the material, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, my impression is that Trigger is leaning into the comedy a little harder than the original might have. And certainly you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But, um, and, and you know, to the show's credit, and I, I think Joel... Joe talking about the last episode have helped me realize this. I think perhaps I have not been giving them enough credit for the character building as plot because you're right, the character building has been exemplary and they've done a really good job of fleshing out these characters. I'm just saying that I don't necessarily feel sort of the bones of a deeper story yet. And I have faith that they will appear because, mm-hmm. you know, because I trust you guys and because the story is so acclaimed and everybody loves it so much. I'm just <laughs> saying that I don't see it yet. Sure. Um, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? Shout outs to shout out to that sequence with the crab in episode six. I Man. Oh. Like it's so bouncy. <laughs> I love it. Like just every time yeah. this show like turns on the trigger a little bit, yeah. it's There's like There's generally at least one sequence in episode where you're yeah. like, Oh right. Yeah. yeah. Like there's this that or there's like when the Kraken rises out of the water in episode seven and you're mm-hmm. like, Yup, those are some Yoshinari like water effects. Like that's how <laughs> Yoshinari draws water. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a, a trigger show where they only make it look cheap when they want to. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> on purpose. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I will say uh shout outs just, you know, I, like, you know, obviously I, I'm always going to, like, give a shout-out to Trigger when they do it right. But um, I, I do need to give credit where it's due. Um, episode 6 was apparently um, outsourced uh, okay. to a studio called Enishia, who uh, I guess, okay. based on my research, is, like, mostly an outsourcing studio. Um, they They kind of work with other, like, they've worked on other productions... Yeah. Um, according to you know their article in ANN, like they uh, that, that's how they a lot of a lot of studios get started. Exactly. They exactly. Their, they, their, right? their credits yeah. list is pretty short, but you know, for example, they helped out on Wonder Egg Priority. Um, okay. Do it yourself. There's a show which um, needed it. <laughs> okay. Those are both uh, Phoenix nice looking. Eden Seventeen. Uh, they are I, I, going to be working on the new Spice and Wolf anime that's coming out. Um, All right. Right. That's a thing. So yeah, and I guess like. I, I just want to give a shout out because I think normally when we hear, oh, this episode was outsourced, right? We're like, it went to the B team, right? Right, right. Whereas like, I, I don't know, y- y'all, these, these Eddie Shia guys, they seem to have it. <laughs> those, shots of, uh, those shots of Chilchuk running for the buttons were really fantastic. Extreme, uh, yeah, yeah, very, very fun. Just uh, really, really well Yeah, they didn't, they didn't miss a beat. I mean, it, yeah. it fit perfect, yeah. Yeah, it looked, it looked very great. much like the house style. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, just... Like, like talk about like I mean you know it's like you know we talk about like, the trigger house style, but for these outsourcers to nail some of these bits like um the Chilchuck flashback of why he hates mimics, and like mm-hmm. there's the third and final chest where the twist is it's not a mimic it's simply trapped, and You're right. 
it explodes and like it it does the thing of like it explodes and then hits a freeze frame and then right. the footage cuts out as if there was a film camera there. Like a security <laughs> camera, yeah. Like, it's like that's that's not in the manga. That's original. It's just Yeah. Really good they, touch, yeah. Yeah, a very good touch. Um But uh yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Dungeon Meshi, you know, it's it's um continues to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, would you say th- those like the overall adaptation has been good in that way? Because I mean, those are kind of a those do kind of change the mood a bit, you know. Like it's it's a different vibe when you're adding silly kind of fourth wall breaking gags and stuff like that. I think, like, so is that mostly for the for the for the show's benefit? I think we get those for- kinds of things. The show specifically, that being the televised animated series Dungeon <laughs> Meshi, I think they are right. because I will say that um, Dungeon Meshi the manga very rarely engages in fourth wall breaking humor, like right it, to basically never right. Um, and I think in many ways, what the choice trigger has made with the Dungeon Meshi anime is like, hey, we're here to make a fantasy comedy. And many of the tricks that Ryoko Kui utilized in the manga may not work if adapted one to one to to anime, mm-hmm. right? Because like yeah. m- many of the incidental gags in in the Dungeon Meshi manga are like, you know, it's like an offhand comment said by a character in the background. It's something written in the margin of the page. You know, it's a like one panel gag that like, you, you know, it, it, it's yeah. the it's the thing of like a one panel gag in a manga like. You can sort of you can dial your own pace of reading it. If that makes a, sense, a good right? example. A good example is um, <clears throat> the like washing Senshi's beard out is yes. like a montage in the anime, and but the the way it's which is very different from how it's paced out in the manga, right? Right. And and so I think like there there are moments where like. I think Trigger recognizes that like a joke might actually hit better if punched up for the medium. And right. So and I think it's and like, the other thing I would say is that like they're yeah. not fourth breaking in the sense fourth wall breaking in the sense that the characters are turning to look at the camera and going, by the way, this is a television show. You know, it's more they're playing right. games with the medium a little. Right. Uh, yeah. It's a more subtle form of that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, and, and like because like to go the other way around, I do you know like. Uh, you know, criticism is maybe a strong word, but like I do sometimes feel like Trigger sometimes does slightly misstep with this adaptation of when it does faithfully adapt a joke too well, but the medium is different. You know, like for example, um, in episode seven, where like Chilchuk and Laos are having the argument about like what. <laughs> Where's the what line counts? of where to eat eat people? What is or... a monster and what is a like sapient you, creature? Right, when you're crossing right. into cannibalism, right? It's a, right, and, the and that who cares? Right, and there's, well, there's, there's that part where Chilchuk is like running the numbers in his head, right? And there's like that like rapidly <laughs> panning shot of like the things he's thinking about, uh-huh. and right. in the manga, like that's a whole page where like he's bringing up various points in his head, like wait, mermen use tridents. Does that imply they know how they Black have smithing, wax? Question mark. Does that yeah. imply technology? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And it's really good because you get to sit there and like linger in it with Chilchuk. But in the right. anime, it pans so quickly you don't have time to read it. So you know, it's like 
I, I think there are jokes like that that don't land quite as well because right. they don't really adapt it as well for the medium. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's a that's a minor thing though at that point. Very I mean, I minor, mean, you, yes. you still get the you still get the point, right? Like yes. yeah. But um but, but I think that is why I do actually really love the places where Trigger has like you know been more liberal with the adaptation. Because yeah. I, I think, mean they're a funny studio. They know how to do good yeah. jokes. So like you can kind of trust them to to translate it well in their own way. Yeah. I think yeah. I think a truly great adaptation adapts the spirit of the original, if not necessarily the letter. You know, sometimes you are going to have to make changes mm-hmm. to a different medium. And by all accounts, they are preserving the essential thrust of the original story, the original jokes, but, you know, massaging them to better fit the medium they now find themselves yeah. in. Definitely. Ira, Ira were you, you going to say something? No. <laughs> no, just, yeah, oh, I agree. Okay. It's a good, great show. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the touches they are adding, you know, like... It's tra- it, like G was saying. It's a trade-off, right? It's it's not necessarily better or worse. It's just it is it is different for the medium. Yeah, yeah. And perhaps the fact that it is different from the medium means that it's a good adaptation, right? Yeah. And just to hedge my criticism one more time, I will say I still think it's the, I still think it is the best show this season by a country mile. I'm having a huge amount of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would agree with that with one potential challenger, which we will get to later, but <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say, Oh, I've been loving dungeon Meshi. There's another I, show. I, on I this think, list that's... okay, let me put it this way. <laughs> this one certainly has, it's like the, the spy family effect broadest appeal. Yes. Uh, I would recommend this to most people sort yeah. of type of show. The other good what show on this list robots? is as for, pers- as for my personal enjoyment, there's, there's a contender for that, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. later um it's a good show one way or the other okay let's talk about sengoku yoko yeah um i i remind me how many episodes is this gonna be 39 okay it's 39 we're like what on what like episode six or six i think we left off i believe Something so like that. yeah is there so and you guys you guys know better because you've read the manga. Oh boy. Oh boy. Is there any reason why this feels so rushed at episode 6 when we've got uh, three oh seasons? Man. They are cutting. They're they are cutting. They're condensing still. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because and do, and do you I, think like, that's... I, re- I read I checked some of my volumes, some of the early stuff and I went, "Oh god, they skipped this whole chapter." Do you think that's necessary <laughs> to, to like fit the story? Like yes, parentheses rueful. Like you know, like, <laughs> yes, but there's no 30, choice. What do yeah, you do if about we're it? Doing, if we're doing like, because I think the idea should be a four. Should have been a four core show. At the very least, I would say like forty two. <laughs> like I don't know. Like it's just thirty seven is still not enough for the length of the story, right? Because we are yeah. talking about a full length. This is as long as Dungeon Meshi and yes. chapter wise and Dungeon Meshi will probably get four cores, right? Total. Yes. Um like the, probably. this is a full length shonen series, you know? Um you certainly don't imagine like My Hero Academia ending in thirty seven episodes, right? Um mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe I'm just it's been a long time since I've watched a 
series <laughs> this long, no, yeah. or I don't know, but yeah, th- these two these two episodes felt pretty rushed. Yes. Um, we had the first one with a uh, samurai dude's sister showing up, right? Yes. That was the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they kind of condensed down. You miss it. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, they kind of condensed down an entire like dramatic. I don't know how much more was happened in that, but it seemed to go pretty quick. Where we went through this whole arc of uh, meeting his sister to her mm-hmm. like dying. And she, in the and span she of... is also she is a Paris parallel to Shakyaku uh, to, to Shakugan because she also got the, a rock monster put in her, but does not cooperate with it. Right, just subsumed it. Yeah. Uh, and then we also get introduced to yes. um and, and this is like this is one of those areas where like Mizukami does continue to delight as like a conventional author who uses unconventional tricks yes. is like you think oh we're gonna fight another one of the elite four the, the four and, beast generals and so it's like oh, okay here's the girl one the first and, one and you know yeah. you're and, and as we all know in shonen terms the first one is the weakest one right like ah like gotta, she was the yep. weakest of the four then we'll fight them all up in sequence or whatever, yeah. and then the strongest of the four just shows up <laughs> <laughs> and kills her right? just punches yeah. her to pieces yeah and it's like Sorry, you have to fight me now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, like it's like it's not a win for our hero. Our heroes have to flee, like outright. Like there's no like ah, we went man. It's none of that. Like ah, we managed to land one punch on him. It's like no, we are completely right. outclassed. And like we Jinko, Jinko, who has been your fucking edge lord. I'm so cool and strong guy. The whole show is goes oh fuck a dragon. Yeah, we, he's I'm terrified. So to he's run the away. one. He, he's the one who freaks out the most. Honestly. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and. I don't know. It made it by the time we got to the end of the episode when when his sister's dying, like it's supposed to be, you know, it felt like it's supposed to be this emotional moment, and I and it was like uh, we didn't have time for this, man. Right. Like yeah. I think it, it comes <clears throat> it comes dangerously close to being unintentionally comical. Right. I think I think the what salvages that bit for me because like yes, we don't we barely know this character, but I think what salvages it for me is like it it thinks that. It seems like she's going to reach some sort of emotional reconciliation with him, and then she's just like, "Damn, you nah, really don't know not, any. You really, yeah. <laughs> you really, you're too far gone, brother. I guess I'm gonna drag you back." All right, yeah. and, and, like you do not get that reconciliation. She just yeah. has to be put down, yeah. right? I, I yeah. So like- I mean, the I mean the 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 Mizukami, like she was saying, spin on normal things. You know, things mm-hmm. maybe not going a, a normal plot scenario going in a way that you perhaps did not expect that like that stuff is there yeah mm-hmm. there's always but... a certain playfulness to the way he plots out uh events yeah yeah i will say to speak to like the feeling you have though like i think it's hard to avoid the reality that like sengoku yoko is meant to feel i mean you know just to compare it to like dungeon meshi it's meant to feel like an adventure right like we were meant to follow mm-hmm. this party on their quest and I think because of how quickly they are pacing things, we don't... I mean, yeah, like, to compare them, like, you know, the thing that Dungeon Meshi kind of does fairly smartly is every episode will in some way explain the dynamic of why these people are hanging out. And I think where the adaptation of Sengoku Yoko is kind of failing at source material is we're not getting enough of that, like... I don't know, hangoutitude. Yeah. <laughs> right? The the sense that, like, why, why would... Jinka put up with Shinsuke or why is Shinsuke still here or, or whatever right it's it's 
Yeah, and I, I feel like you I feel don't have like enough so time to build that rapport. Yeah, I I feel like this dungeon meshy and maybe even free room to a certain degree kind of have the same potential strengths where the the the, the your group dynamic is your strength, right? Yes, mm-hmm. and it's interesting seeing all three of those shows this season handle it to varying degrees of success, but in this one, you know, again, as someone who is not read the manga like mm-hmm. i i don't feel i see on screen the characters bonding but like if i were to compare it to what i just, all those things i just said about dungeon meshy i don't see those things happening and i right. think that might be what you're saying g where we don't just have the screen time where we're seeing them hang mm-hmm. out and just do normal things together right right like there's that moment in the second of these two episodes where tama visits the village where um yes uh, her, her it's like uh, sealed away right yeah it's been sealed away right and she, you know, it's kind of the ah, uh, the Tom only Tom. It, it's one of those classic only this character can solve the issue this week mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? Like because Tom up till now has been sort of the generic Yankee girl, like I'm right. gonna unite the world with love and peace, right? And this episode kind of shows what what drives her desire to unite, like the what is it, the Kata. Katawara. Humans in the Katawara, right? Like, why is she so driven by this desire to to see peace between them, you know? And you get that in this episode, but also, you know, you probably don't even know Tama that well at this point, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a weakness, and, and um, you know, I, I, I think there's a, there's a number of interesting creative choices there, you know? I think it's interesting that they for example, they don't choose to lean into the horror aspect of it so much and instead focus on Tama, and I think that's a solid choice. But yeah, it it it's it comes off a little a little bit glib because we don't know her that well ourselves. Yeah. And and that was like I talked about last time as I'm getting older, perhaps my view of mm-hmm. Mizukami's optimism <laughs> is uh is is a little has become a bit tainted. No, I'm trying Michelle, not to, you don't understand. No. We're becoming the bitter old men no. that I'm trying that, that so hard to fight it off, but like he doesn't want us to become that. That's why he writes these stories. I know, I know. So maybe I need to keep watching to keep myself uh, filled with blessings. Yeah. Okay. And, clearly, and, what we all need to do the is we all need to just read, we we all just need to read Spirit Circle by the next podcast, and we'll all but, be refilled but, with optimism uh, for the future. But but yeah. I mean, is it, I, I, I mean, when she just kind of you know hugs it out with the monster at the end, and I'm like, it, it, part, just part of me is like, ah, I don't know, man. It's I guess I was kind of okay with that because, um, I, I you know, yeah, Tommy's work has always been big and broad and cartoony. Yeah. Positive. So. Yeah, and I, 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 I wouldn't want them to like come in and slaughter the monster or whatever. Like, like I don't know. I would. I don't know if I would. I wouldn't have done it any differently. Just, uh, it, I can, I can feel the cranky old man creeping up in me, and I have to fight it off. But <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Um, I will say that for me, at least, one of the aspects of this show I have really enjoyed is the constant parade of well this week here's a weird guy um and <laughs> yeah. like, i don't i don't think i don't really want to undersell that because it is enjoyable to see this sort of it's not exactly throwback but it, it definitely has some elements of, of kind of like the the early 2000s trend towards 
you know, Naruto, Bleach, that kind of mm-hmm. serialized storytelling. And this is the positive side of that, you know, that, you know, interesting, weird dudes are just constantly showing up. And I really right. like that. I think that that's fun yeah, and the, uh, cool. And you get a lot of... We get, uh, uh, we yeah. get Dor- Doran, the Tiger Man. Yep. yep. He's great. You know, you get right. something like, I mean, a little different there. In almost a direct contrast to the other members of the Elite right. Four they face, right? This one's just like, I don't know, you want to have a drink, I guess? We'll right. have a drinking contest. I'll too. kill you later. Was, Jinan right. is this, like, stoic-driven juggernaut of a man. And then we also have uh, Reshin, who is a, a hip-hop gangsta man. God, <laughs> yes. Yes, the one just dropping random English phrases. Yes. Yeah. Uh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Then there's a dude who just turned into a sack full of knives. Yeah, that's and, him. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, there's there is some real fun pulp sensibility there mm-hmm. that that's just kind of like tickles a very base part of my brain. Yeah. I just yeah, I, 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 the, I really worry about the pacing because yeah, oof. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. I mean, it is supposed to be like a long burn, but go ahead. Yeah. I I mean, how much do you do you think they will slow things down once the shift happens? Like, do you think they're doing that? Do you think they're rushing to get to that moment sooner? I think. Or is that just a cope? (laughs) Little A, little B, right? It's like. Like, it's going to be just as fast paced even after the shift. Probably. I we say uh, the shift as if it's not just I don't know it's, I don't know it, there's I I read some of the manga and I'm like oh there's way more that happens before that than I remember yeah, <laughs> and I'm yeah, like oh geez yeah. how are they gonna do this how are we gonna get through this uh, yeah but I don't know I <laughs> I think it's I think it's yeah. Good. I, uh, I, mean, I guess you know we, we 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 take what we can get right because the story yeah. that goes with Sengoku Yoko is that it was originally going to be a two course show. Yes. Oh and that no the way! President of White Fox personally fought to extend it to three cores. Yeah. So we are all because he was such a big fan of the original story. Mm-hmm. So as much as we are like hemming and hawing about this adaptation, this is already the like best possible version of it we could get under uh-huh. these specific circumstances His, of its creation. I, I mean, yeah. if if that's true, it may also be that we are seeing some episodes that were boarded for at the faster pace, right? Like that's I, true. I I have absolutely no inside knowledge to just to like. Right, right. That. No, that makes sense. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Yeah. They might have started writing it for 24 and then had more later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't throw out work you've already done. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still here. I'm still uh-huh. with, a, I'm still with, with, I'm, with this. I'm grasping, I'm hanging your in ankle, there. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I was, I was grasping my ankles. I'm slowly trying to inch away backwards out of, I, I, out I, of I, this. I, I think I'm several notches above you. I'm I'm having fun, you know. I think that yeah. I think that I would like more substance soon, but at the moment I am yeah. I am having fun with what's on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think Zig, the things that you were pointing to that you liked as sort of like the, the you know the classic shonen kind of Feel, weird guy showing yeah. up stuff. I historically do not care about that stuff as much. <laughs> right. So like right. that that's not really necessarily helping yeah. me. You know, I'm here for the Mizukami and. Uh, you know, it's it's in there somewhere. Um, 
I can see I mean, it. The other the other classic Mizukami thing is that it takes a while for his stuff to blossom. Yeah, right? that's that's like, something we talked about. Before. I wouldn't exactly describe yeah. as any of any of his works that I've seen as like strong out of the gate. Put it yeah, and we've talked about the four. Like, I don't know how you would fix that. Like, that's just the, is what it is. Like, yeah. yeah, to get to get the payoffs that he the big payoffs that he has, you have to take time, and there's just no way around it that I can think of. So, yeah. okay, well. A show that I did not continue watching, uh, <laughs> Metallic Rouge. Uh, I should offer an anecdote about this, which is I watched the first two episodes, thought episode two was pretty fun, and then promptly completely forgot about it until I saw it on the schedule here. So. I personally uh, believe that was for the best because I dropped it at episode three. Mm. Oof. Uh, but uh, I heard there was a bit of a bright spot this uh, this week. <laughs> but yeah, G-, G and I, you're still watching if you want to yeah. tell us about it. Um, episode what? Well, episode five was the weird. So enter the mind's eye episode, right? Yeah. In many ways, these two episodes are actually a perfect like duo to like compare and contrast what is working and what is not about <laughs> Metallic Rouge. Yeah. Um. So episode five is kind of the last of the robot people ghetto arc that we have been Great. subjected to for the last three episodes in which uh, Rouge is, like, taken prisoner by this carnival-themed puppet master guy who, yeah, like... who's, like, trying is, to read her memories to get some kind of information, right? Yeah, yeah, and so it does the whole, like, yeah, like, battle in the mind's eye, confronted with past traumas, you know, oh, no, Rouge's backstory, like, etc. stuff. You know, trying to do all that very, uh... I don't know, post Ava heady anime stuff. Uh-huh. Yep. That R- it, Rouge must confront all of the, her previous kills or whatever. Like, and it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't. Like, it's like, who cares? Like, I mean, it's <laughs> it's just a rehash of when she fought the dude from last episode who could make illusions. Yeah. Like, right. It's just that we've turned that from a physical fight into a metaphysical one, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why we needed to repeat this, honestly. It certainly sounds like they're treading over exactly the same ground again. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's continuing to do the thing of, hey, guys, do you get it? Rouge is a robot, and she's been tasked with killing other robots, but some of those robots don't want to be killed. Does she truly have freedom? It's like she just a tool? (laughs) Yeah, bro, we get it. I don't have emotions, and sometimes that makes me very sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <basically. laughs> so not not a very good episode. Um, she fights a weird gothic Lolita. Yeah, lady. Um, yeah, I mean it's anime. Yeah, there's like a there's like a there's like a mysterious like in, in very almost Toku sensibility. You know, um, a black writer. You know, a a a mysterious <laughs> robot clad in dark who mm-hmm. like kind of helps out but doesn't reveal their identity. And right, like, that's oh, right. That guy was like... <laughs> who, who could this guy be? I, I, okay, I will admit, he was kind of cool because his power yeah. was like just like spreading shotguns out of his chest, which mm-hmm. like, hey, look, that's kind of badass. Yeah. But no, otherwise not not a great episode. And then we get to episode six, where um, the, mm-hmm. pl- the premise is that they are now taking a ship back to Earth. Yep. Right, they were on Mars hunting down the Immortal Nine, and they need to report back to HQ on Earth. So we're, so just, we're getting... hitching a ride on this like luxury liner back Earth. Yep. And hey, you know what a liner? You know what a cruise liner is? 
it's a locked room. <laughs> and you Full know of one of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and what one of the villain's powers is? Impersonation. Yep. And so yeah, it the episode six is just this like really entertaining slapdash chase through this cruise liner as like the jokerized evil cyborg guy, the one with the Coke bottle glasses who looks like Vash the Stampede, mm-hmm. is just transforming into different people and then just murdering like <laughs> random people on the ship for kicks. Like, so he's basically the T-1000? Like, yeah, yeah, basically. But like, without even any stated goal, he's just like, I'm just killing people because that's what I do best. Uh-huh. You know, can you stop me, Rouge? And it's like, somehow reducing the conflict to something so base, so, so banal, yeah, like- banal, works hugely in Metallic Rouge's favor because then it just turns into, we got to stop the bad guy. And yeah. the bad guy has a neat gimmick. Yep. You know, like they're chasing I mean, after him. Simplicity is the best option, right? You know, yes. and yeah, exactly, right? Like, and, and this is the part where we bring up that, you know, yeah. uh, how this this show has, um was it Carol and Tuesday? Uh, yes. Um, it sure does. Who on it. Energy, well, it had yeah. one more person from Carol on Tuesday, <laughs> and that's Kimiko Ueno, <laughs> yes, uh, aka Ueno. one of the best anime screenwriters in the business. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, so I uh, looked it up. Also, did episode two, the fun episode. Yeah, <laughs> Other yeah, fun the, episode. Uh, yeah, the goofy episode. Like, uh, yeah. the, these Ero, two episodes have... that have like. Actual character dynamics. Man, yes. remember how they had the, they yeah. had like the psycho driver granny in that second episode. Oh yeah. man, speed grandma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. If you if you go God if you go it. back to uh, two episodes ago, I that was the last time I was enjoying yeah. Metallic Rouge. Um, Ero, Just do you like have the short Tuesday. list of uh, Kimiko Yu's yeah, credits? A bunch of episodes of Space Dandy, the zombie one, episode, yeah. the race episode, Meow's Whole Planet episode. The Ultra Dimension Cruise episode, or the Rock Band episode. Uh, shout out to the Meow's Home Planet episode where they seem like they're about to work out they're in a time loop, but they miss <laughs> yeah. it completely and the narrator has to tell them. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, right, also right, worked right. on many of the best episodes of Little Wetch Academia. Yep, um, the, the, the Ray Broom Race episode, the one where they go inside Susie's mind. Yes, the the legendary the contender for best baseball episode of all time for yes, BNA. Yeah. yeah, and then um, any episode of Carol on Tuesday with uh, <clears throat> the Idea scammer AI robot. Yeah, the uh, robot. Every episode where that guy showed up was a Kimiko yes. Uno episode. So uh, point and is, so all is the a... best, all the good episodes of Carol on yes. Tuesday. Yes, so this is a writer who has like clearly a fantastic sense of humor, a really strong knack for just writing really punchy, good jokes. And that's what makes episode six. So good is because like, it's just the hijinks of Rouge and Naomi <clears throat> failing to catch this guy. You know, it, some of the jokes are a little bit more predictable than others, but like the thing is like the execution and the timing is perfect, right? Like they do the classic thing of evil Joker guy impersonates Rouge. And then they run to a different room and Naomi catches up and they're fighting each other. And each of them like he's like Naomi shoot the other one right and so Naomi's like all right I'm gonna ask you a question right and it's like she like says this like kind of complicated like math equation right and uh-huh. like and then you already know the where this gives is the right answer exactly right? you already know where this is going right because Rouge is too stupid to know how to do basic math she doesn't give a shit yeah 
Um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's a good joke. And then the, the joke the- also, it's like because they've been sort of undercover this whole show, right? Yes. And like <laughs> they get kicked out of the pool or whatever, and the next shot is them dripping wet, showing up at like investigation room base and being like here's my badge we're with the we're with the government we're fucking done with this shit right because like like, we're cooperating because a recurring theme throughout these these this story has been that like there has been a like civilian cop who has like suspected that rouge and naomi are government spooks but can't Mm -hmm. prove it and the idea that this is how they finally reveal it is that they are just so exasperated dealing with this annoying Joker man that this <laughs> is the thing that makes them break their cover. They're like, fuck it, we're government spooks, you were right. Just let us take care of this guy. Yeah. And uh, th- then the way they take care of this guy, so they find out that, ah, Joker can change his form, but he cannot change his mass. And he weighs exactly 82.2 kilograms. And so That's what they do... Light for a robot. I guess so, yeah. Well, anyways, so the point is... Like, Put everyone right, who's 88.2 kilograms into a lineup. person yeah. who weighs exactly this much into a room. And you think... And Naomi opens her mouth and she's like, and now we're going to interrogate you. And through the power of deduction, we're going to cross-reference your, you know, the, the uh-huh. contradictions in your statements to find out which one of you is the real one. And then Dude, Rouge just, just steps up... the shit out of them. Yes, Rouge says... <laughs> All of you are all of you except one of you is a human being. I'm gonna punch each one of you so hard that you might die. <laughs> Only the robot is strong enough to survive this punch. <laughs> Line up. <laughs> just starts. Starts punching. Yeah, just starts punching everyone in a lineup, and it does the almost trigger-esque thing of it doesn't show the punch. It shows Naomi's reaction, yep. but. It cuts frame by frame, punctuated by a punch yep. noise, as her like, expression grows yeah. increasingly more exasperated with the situation. <laughs> and then yeah. the best part, the last thing in the lineup, the last thing in the lineup is this weedy looking nerd guy. And they're like, this guy weighs 82.2 kilograms. They're like, no, not him. His giant St. Bernard. His <laughs> giant St. Bernard. And this dude's like, you're gonna, you're gonna punch. Oh my god, what's this dog's you're name? Punch oh, Rubens, man. my precious dog. Yes, Ru- you're gonna punch Rubens, and it does the perfect thing of it just holds on Rubens. Shot reverse shot with the dog, right? <laughs> yeah, like static face, and and this dog just you know giving goofy dog grin, and then just hard cuts to just Rouge putting her whole body into <laughs> the meanest <laughs> ass kick you have ever seen, <laughs> right into this dog's Hell head. Yeah. We, we actually get to see her kick the dog okay. in the head. Yeah! It's really funny. <laughs> it's really good. And of course, it's Joker. It's, you know, he was... Of course, yeah. Yeah, of course, of course it was. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, man, if this show had this energy all the I time... Mean, that's the problem, right? You know next episode's gonna suck again. Because, <laughs> yeah. hey, guess what? Do you know how this episode literally ends? It turns out that Naomi was a double agent. Oh, and oh God. And betrays Rouge at the end of the episode. Oh, oh God. No. Oh, I don't... I, <laughs> hey, I know nobody... I know nobody who works in anime actually listens to this podcast. I know, like, right? Hey, I need to put this energy out there. Why... <laughs> How come Kimiko Ueno doesn't write whole shows? Uh, she's doing Dungeon Mesh. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, she is doing Dungeon Man. Dungeon Mesh. 
<laughs> what a good anime, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, seriously, why doesn't why she's do we done, she's into- done a couple, but they've been like Ikemen <laughs> comedy shows, right? That I we don't know. watch. Maybe like, the freelancing pays better. Maybe I, I guess. Know. Just like, why would you have Kimo? Why would you bring in this immensely talented comedy writer to punch up like two or three episodes of otherwise dog shit I mean, anime? Because mm-hmm. the answer is that Bones have never actually understood how to make good originals, right? <laughs> like, no, of course. Running, <laughs> yeah. But also, the running joke about every Bones original is that it's incredibly po-faced and unfun. Right, if you think right. about like, fucking listeners, Captain Earth, all of this stuff. Yeah, it's, you know. but it's like I, I no, I completely agree, Zig. But like, they still yeah. brought her on for a couple of episodes, so it's like they kind of know what she's capable of. It's I mean, just, that that's a stopped clock is right twice a day. Yeah, of right, course. it's right. just like yeah, y'all y'all got to give Kim, you got, y'all got to give this woman more work. Like, you got to have her write entire shows, man. Uh, like, stop it with this. You know, a show I, featuring yeah. Kimiko Ueno. I just, for two remember, I just remember I was watching Curl on Tuesday and being like, wow, that episode where they make a music video was really good. And then, <laughs> like, four episodes were just like, eh, I'm not really feeling it. And then yeah. you have, like, American Idol episode where you have all these wackadoo singers. Oh, God, those guys were so good. And, yeah. <laughs> like, wow, the show was really fun. All that was really fun. good. And yeah. then, I think that is around where we just started to discover Kiko. Yeah, I think that's, where, that's around when I was like, oh, hold on, what the hell's going on? I already just like, single-handedly so reminded me he just single-handedly reminded me how much sisters. I actually watched uh-huh. of Carol and Tuesday. Right. I, I, I blocked so much of it out of my mind. I thought I only watched, like, the first two episodes. But now that you're mentioning it, I was like, oh, I watched most of that show. <laughs> like, and then, like, there's the episode where the fucking shitty, like, or the shitty, like, musician dude, like, has his house repossessed or whatever. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's... Yeah, but like joking aside, like this is like they have followed the textbook to perfection of, you know, Bones has a new show. It looks great. And there's kind of an interesting premise that could go some cool directions if they maybe experimented with it. And then it's just the most boring shit in the universe. I mean, we said it we said it was going to happen before the show aired because it has become so predictable. Yeah, I mean, like, like. you know, the episode does end with a legitimately good fight between Rouge and Joker. Where like yeah, he's I mean, like the action they're, 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 like, so they're like magnetized to the outside of the ship and fighting. Yeah, like she finally yeah. cornered him and he's like, All right, all right, I'll fight you for real. And she pulls off the fucking Frieza destructo disc like yeah, right. uh, a surprise Stake attack. Out, yeah. 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 It's it's really good. Yeah. This show can be, it just isn't <sighs> most of the time. Yeah. Just well. Uh, next episode, you guys can report back about how episode uh, seven and eight or whatever were terrible. I bet it's and... a lot of angsting about being betrayed. Yeah, yep. yeah, no shit. How, how Rouge is struggling <laughs> with her identity again yeah. because she thought she found a friend or whatever, and I don't. Anyway, and probably has trust issues. And okay, mm-hmm. but I'm going to stop. But yep, at least at least you got one moment of fun out of it. Maybe she'll do another episode before the whole thing is It'd over. It'd be nice. Get, yeah. get some more fun in. Yeah. Dude, sure be nice right. to have a show where we could have fun. What's next oh, up oh, for yeah? picking a dog? Punching oh, yeah. a child, right? A show, a show that's fun, huh? Huh? What? Yeah. A show, a show that literally never huh? misses, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about 
bang brave bang braver so just to catch up i did i did catch up i'm totally caught up with this now yeah oh you never struck me as a real robot kind of guy (laughs) (laughs) oh not because this is a real robot anyway this is the best comedy i've watched in a long time uh yeah Uh, we've been watching yeah it's a super robot show uh, but we're watching like it's a bungle or as part of the tono power hour and yes Watching Zabungle makes makes us go. How come there's not a lot of mech comedies out there? Like there's mech shows with comedy in them, music with rocks right. in, but there's no outright comedy mech shows right. really. And it's uh, like Obari was listening in on our calls the whole time. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, don't worry, fam, I got you. Yeah. So. Yeah. The in this in this block of episodes, the first one was kind of the prepping for the assault on japan right yep you know uh, uh lewis and asami have to hash out their problems mm-hmm. yes and uh, the only way they can do this is by rubbing against each other shirtless yes yep. for I, thousands I, to watch uh-huh. yeah gr- yeah uh grinding on top of each other while the one girl gets a nosebleed um <laughs> yep. no they, they they do the they do the classic neither of these Guys are good at communicating, so they must communicate with their fists, right? Yes. And they have the. Uh... And by their fists, they mean talking while punching, and then. Yes, by that would be talking while punching. Even each other. Isami is like, <laughs> just told me all this. We could have just talked about this. Like, there is literally no reason for this fight to happen. <laughs> oh, man. There's so many good, like, just one off gags in this episode. We, we, we find that. Uh, uh, Bravern is a big fucking gunplay nerd and owns a 3D printer. A 3D printer <laughs> so powerful that he can't tell us any more about it at this point yeah. in history or something. Yeah, he's like he literally says this 3D printer will be useful later. <laughs> With no further comment, and for does he now, just hold up just... a book that says screenwriting 101 on it? After <laughs> yeah. that? Like he's just like building life size models of the the titano striders in the mm-hmm. show like he has his own like fucking like little setup in a corner of the hangar like it's like a teenager's room it has like the yeah. logo stenciled on the wall and yet <laughs> and yet when it comes time to uh to spy on uh on smith and asavi he he his like special like listening device is just a boom mic <laughs> Just 3D prints a giant robot-sized boom like, mic. <laughs> like, that's the best he can come up with. And he's, like, following him around with a boom God. mic. Oh, man. But it's trying so to hide, weird. like, behind the corner with it. Also, the boom mic, famously something you can 3D print. <laughs> well, it's a very powerful 3D printer. Yeah. Fair, but, uh, It'll be yeah. useful later. Yes. Yeah. God. So. And, like, he uses that boom mic so that he can relay the audio transcript of Isabi and Lewis's, like, conversation to the entire fleet. So you get this great like sequence of like people just fucking doing their jobs on an aircraft carrier, and then the while they're carrying these on. sweaty men talk about their relationship. Uh, yeah, yeah, while they, right. while they're working out their lover lovers quarrel here in the, yeah. the boxing ring. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, so good. it's very good. Um, I, I I I like I really like the the energy as far as like at least so far. You know, this whole thing has been like a like a. a start as a joint operation between Japan and America. And so far there hasn't been any like racism or like, uh, I don't know. Maybe right. the Americans are really evil or something like that. Like 
I, this is, this is firmly like meathead America, <laughs> or right? Like so a like asshole America, because because I feel like when a show like this goes down those kinds of paths, it just like. I don't know. Either you don't have the chops to handle this or I just don't care. I just want to get back to the sweaty men punching each other, right? Like, so <laughs> I've appreciated the very positive energy on that front um, so that we can yeah, just yeah, enjoy Braver, the jokes. Braver is definitely a show that constantly demonstrates how well it understands the lane it is in. Yeah. Right. Um, just, just yeah, hey, uh, here's a bunch of anime Americans. And in this anime, anime American equals buff shirtless dudes in sunglasses who like fist pump mm-hmm. a lot and go hell yeah and holy shit top guns <laughs> yes. Amer- top guns america that's, like, that's... By any chance? oh yes yeah. oh yeah um you know, jesus christ yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what an anime american is uh, it's 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 very fu- it's a lot of fun. Um, it's aspirational. And, yeah, it's asp- <laughs> yes, aspirational, perhaps. But if only every American could hold themselves to this the standard. same standard. <laughs> yeah. uh, the vision of what America could be. Yeah. 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 So uh, that was very good. And then uh, episode six is when we do act- get the actual assault yeah, on so- on occupied japan as it's been taken over by the aliens or whatever i do want to highlight that we we get a brief clip of lewis smith's favorite tokusatsu show uh or whatever which uh what is the name of the show oh geez oh man hold on i've oh is is it the one lulu starts marathoning right right because they they do explain this is how police spark heiser yeah that's a pretty good night (laughs) so i don't know You'll you'll you understand like, how it's funny. It's funny to me that this is not quite. This is not a satire writer joke. It's more of a metal hero. Yeah, joke. Right. this is like more like a what a a big bad Beetleborg. Or yeah. something. right. Beetleborg is part of the uh, metal hero series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> just sure. Like, I mean, it's like, it, and that's the thing, right? It's like in mm-hmm. many ways, this show also constantly leverages the fact that Obari is directing it, right? And like this show, these jokes are being told by the guy who like literally invented some of these premises, right? You know, or I not mean, invented, oh, but like made them iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Also, I suspect it is exploiting the fact that the target audience is slightly older than perhaps your standard right. animation. Right. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, yes, so, so episode yes, six is is kind of the more serious. Okay, we're going to Japan, and the premise is Sami and Lewis are going to be the 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 Pathfinder scouts to check for signs of life in Japan. And if they don't find anybody in like thirty minutes, we're just going to orbitally bombard Tokyo because yep. clearly there have been no survivors. Just saturation attack. Yeah. And so there's a the, the tension is Sami is desperate to find any survivors, right? And uh, this whole time, Braverin's like, don't worry, bro. It's going to be fine. I got this. We got this, right? And it's almost doing the classic joke again of, oh, you know, Braverin is just like suicidally, delusionally, like confident that like, hey, you know, we're right. heroes. And at the end of the day, the heroes always get it done. And the tension's ratcheting up. There's like a minute left. We can't find anybody. Asami finally just desperately jumps into the air and shouts at the top of his lungs, you know, hey, is there anybody left still alive? We're the good guys. Fight with us, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, the what's left of the resistance show up, you know, to, to, to show that uh, there are still people alive in Japan, but yep. it's too late. The, the bombs have been dropped. And then... Uh-huh. 
fucking braver who at this point i think might actually be a psychopath um <laughs> is like don't worry asami there's a reason why i said it would all be okay and it turns out that braver has the magical ability to just hack all technology and weapons and just hacks all the missiles just and diverts sh- them away out a green wave that lets him tele- telekinetically control all of the bombs and, and of course throw them where they need to be yes, redirect classic, them to the bad guys yeah in classic super robot fashion the implication is braver could always do this <laughs> of course it just merely could have done this at any time that there is nothing more super robot than pulling unused abilities out of your ass simply chose not to tell asami who's on the verge of a mental breakdown <laughs> because he thinks there are no more japanese people left on the planet <laughs> and yeah yep and braver just waits because like ah well you know the sun's not rising yet oh yeah yeah he needed to make sure that it was when the sun was rising yes uh oh and then god so superbia shows up again the blue robot that uh, um they fought earlier uh, lulu in it and you know talking in gibberish and then suddenly starts talking in legible uh japanese it's like braver and like punches him or like infuses him with english or like yes with language explains that now all the boys and girls of the world can understand (laughs) yeah great joke thank you you know one of the characters like what are you talking about he's clearly got a texan accent another one's like no i think he's speaking german (laughs) hiroshima dialect yeah Yeah. right they all hear their own language right yeah uh, we find out that uh, Superbia really wants Lulu back. Um, I guess the implication, of course, being that all the death drives are more powerful when paired up with their pilot. As well, right, uh, kind of, yeah, course, kind of the, you know, a parallel to Isami being in Braver and right, he'll be more powerful um, as Lulu. Yeah. Shout outs <laughs> to the joke where Superbia is like. I'm sorry, who are you again? Braver. And Braver's <laughs> right. like, what do you mean? I'm bang brave, bang braver. And then like the, the title the screen logo. appears behind yeah. him. And then it zooms out. And it's, it's, a, it's a diegetic like projection of the it's title. It's like a holographic yeah. projection of the logo behind him. Also, here's the really yeah. good thing. It's not the title screen from the OP. It's an entirely slightly different, unique yeah. title screen for just that scene. Yeah. Uh, very yep. good god um yeah I, I just i just think the show is hilarious the, the 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 comedy writing and timing and everything is just perfect i um, i really like the gag where they're having a meeting with like the resistance who's still in, oh who's in god, japan yeah. and they're like and the newcomers are like uh so that thing Bra- bravern <laughs> bright and of course bravern appears immediately and so and they're like, like hey so what's your deal and right <laughs> right and the <laughs> the, the dude the, who's been here the whole time says, god damn it like, black ad was like god damn it not again yeah. and of course yeah. so raven's like yes allow me to tell you in great detail into my chapter, chapter two <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> And I yeah. need this. I need this joke to happen at least like two more times in this show, where they they meet a new crew of humans who are like, "Who the fuck is that? What did yeah. you call him?" And you just get more people saying, "No, don't!" And then Braverin's like, "All right, let's start from the top." 
Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you keep cutting off Braver and earlier and earlier into his spiel. Yeah. Like, yeah. That um, sounds like something you should really do in the final battle. Like, <laughs> yeah, your new, I, new crew comes speaking in. Speaking of that, I will say, I, I've been having a great time with Braver and, like, really. Mm-hmm. You know, again, like, it's neck and neck with Dungeon Meshi for the show. I'm just having a blast with every week. Uh, it yep. really does make Thursdays a very pleasant Brave day to Dungeon watch Thursday. anime season. Yep. Um, didn't they say had, they had to fight, like, h- how many of these death drives? Like, I'm not sure. Seven? Nine? I think. I don't remember. Several more, fought... more than presumably there are episodes remaining, is right? Yeah, bro, we fought two so far. Even yeah, the yeah. one that showed up in the stinger of episode five, voiced by Tetsu and Nada, going it's in a very appear. baritone Gaga P. Show up this episode, like how? I and we're on episode six. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Like we don't have that many episodes left. This is a one core show. I mean, yeah. you can kill like five of those dudes at once. We can the- do I a mean, gag, yes, right? Like, like yes, yeah. that's probably what they'll do. But I'm just or really curious. Maybe they'll combine. Oh. I mean, <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, that uh, is the other, how I mean, the Durin Lagan movie uh, sped through all those true. guys. Yeah. The other, the other uh, thing that we need time to spend on, like. And we t- we've mentioned this before, but now that we've had a couple more episodes to gather evidence, like mm-hmm. like Braver and is Smith in some capacity, right? Like, is that I pretty feel much like, that's like- what they're building up to, right? Like, and I feel like because like Superbia doesn't recognize Braver. Like the the other running theory was that oh, Braver is a member of the Death Drives who like defected, but mm-hmm. if the other Death Drives don't recognize him, that he really is just a wild card. Like, nobody knows who he is, so... I mean, there, there are ways you can get around that, like could, magic memory loss yeah, stuff. Could, yeah, I mean, and I don't know, I, 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 and when I say in some capacity, yeah, he could be like a, you know, an AI based on his memories or something, I don't know, who knows. But, uh, I think there was a bit with, like, Lulu kind of acknowledging braver and similarly to how she talked she like basically feeling like he's also smith or something uh right there, there a couple she also other... calls braver and smith um... yeah there there are a couple of other like moments where it felt like it, they were glaringly trying to hint that there was some kind of connection there we talked about in the past about how braver when smith offers to pilot him braver says it can't be him you know that kind of stuff so right i just i do feel like there's enough clues there for that to be a valid conspiracy theory oh oh definitely oh, yeah, yeah. i i just also think at the end of the day braver is primarily a comedy so yeah how much weight this actual reveal will have i think is up in the air like braver is the type of show that could easily just do it as a like as an intentional anti-climax in the penultimate episode where mm-hmm. braver is just like oh by the way I'm Lewis Smith sent from an alternate future. <laughs> right. and, and that's right, it, right? right. It, it, yeah. So but on on the other hand, you could also play it for laughs in the opposite way and make it like as operatically drawn out as possible. It would start playing the ED. Yes. Like, Galaxy right. Brain. If we do get that where Braven finally explains his backstory. Mm-hmm. What if he comes from a universe that plays all these tropes completely straight? Like comically serious. I mean, that's right? kind of the entire show's joke, right? Is that well, he's well, no, completely well, I mean, out of like, Christ. Well, 
okay, what I mean is that tonally, Bravern as a show is still a comedy. I mean, he comes from the like serious alien dimension dimension, right? Because like, uh, like alien the people the, dimension, the, everybody else in the show in universe is like rolling their eyes at his like antics, yeah, right? He's but in right. hell, right? Him coming from a place where that is like legitimately serious would be pretty funny. Yeah, like what if we go to like his timeline? where Bravern did not become a super robot show, and it's still <laughs> that real robot show it was in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot there, There's a lot of ways they could go with it, and because of the format of the show, like, you could spend 10 episodes on this, you could spend 30 seconds, they'll figure out some way to cram it in there, right? So, For sure. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been impressed with the the comedy part myself but the, i mean the robot stuff is fun too like i, I don't want to discount that either but just for me personally i you know the the yeah. main reason i'm watching it is because they're doing the comedy so well yes it's a great time all right well that is going to do it then for this episode so we can get to our housekeeping you can check us out at theglorioblog.com you can follow us on Twitter at the Glorio blog or on co-host at Glorio. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher, and of course YouTube, where you can like, comment, subscribe, ring that notification bell, tell your friends, tell your enemies, and we'll catch everybody next time. Remember, kick all dogs in the head. <laughs>